This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here as always with Raheem Palmer to wrap up four awesome divisional round playoff games. We almost had all four road teams win for the first time ever. Not quite. We did have the lowest combined spread total for divisional weekend ever, and it lived up to the hype. We ended up with only 15 points between all four games. Thanks to that ridiculous blowout Sunday night, the six-point victory after the three field goal games. Raheem, was this the greatest weekend of NFL football of your life? I think it was. I mean, look, I, I had a profitable weekend. I can't complain. I had a great time watching some of these games. All of them came down to the wire and we just got some unexpected stuff that just happened that just made it really exciting. So you can't beat the NFL when it's at the top of this game. And and it somehow seemed to get better and better as the weekend went along too. you know, last weekend, the Bengals game was the opener and it was like, kind of, uh, it was, it was a good game. It was close. It wasn't really like super entertaining, but it was close. I couldn't complain. And then as the weekend went on, I was like, oh, I guess that was our good game for the weekend. I was a little worried that that's, that's kind of how I felt again this weekend. Like, oh, it's close. It's interesting. I've got some things to say. Please let the other games be better football. And it just got better and better and better as the weekend went on. So we will talk through all of them. We're going to go in reverse order today. Start with the big one Sunday night. We'll talk conference championship hot read at the end. And that's basically it. No Monday Night Football anymore. We're down only three games left on the season. Odds today from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. So we got to start with the instant classic at Arrowhead. The Chiefs win 42 to 36 in overtime. We went over. We went way over. The Chiefs get the cover, of course. We'll go through everything. But obviously, it's close late. We're back and forth. We saw 25 points in the final two minutes. The Chiefs get the ball in overtime and don't give it back. Walk it off with a touchdown to Kelsey. This was an awesome, awesome game. Just cancel the rest of the season and just let these teams play two more, like best of three, best of five. We get like an NBA series going here. This was awesome. This felt like the championship. We'll see. We'll see what happens to the Chiefs. I'm not saying it is, but this was every bit the heavyweight fight we wanted it to be. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, even from the opening kickoff, we saw the Bills' offense was rolling. And then it's like you're watching this game. And for me, I know when the Bills scored in that opening drive, it just looks so easy that I'm saying to myself, look, if the Chiefs don't score, the Bills might never get stopped. But then it it felt like the Chiefs took control of this game. But the Bills just kept, I mean, they just kept fighting back. They eventually take the lead, but it was just like, it was just an incredible game. Yeah. That, so that first quarter, those first two drives, just instantly, you just know we're going to get a classic here. First drive, the Bills are driving right down. They're running the ball. 
They go for fourth down around the midfield. You love that because you, you know, you love that Allen and McDermott are going to be aggressive right away. You have to, it's the chiefs. You can't punt. You can't kick field goals. You gotta, you gotta knock them out. Boy, did they learn that the hard way this time they knew they try to knock them out. They go for two fourth downs and convert on the first drive, get the touchdown on the fourth and goal. Allen's getting his legs going early. The chiefs, their first drive, Patrick Mahomes, I I counted four plays on the first drive that Pat Mahomes made that like 99.999% of humans could never make in their life. He had four on one drive on the first drive. And I think they're all on third down too, that either he created with his legs or he had the one where he flipped the ball and and just incredible, incredible drives to start out. I was worried though, like you said, the Bills opening drive, not just how easy it looked, but also the Teron Matthew injury, I thought was huge. We know how bad Daniel Sorensen has been for this team. And as easy as it, the Bills made it look and the Matthew injury, it looked like he was going to be out right away. He did not playing again. I got to be honest. I bet the Chiefs on this one. I was looking for an out early on. I was looking for a, a chance to just get out even and just say like, ah, I don't know. I think the Bills might have this the way it looks so easy right away. Did you get the, that feeling at all? Yeah, I got that feeling on the first drive. But then when the Chiefs came back and scored, the next drive, Mahomes, he pretty much scrambled his way down the field and didn't even attack any receivers. It was just like the receivers recovered. Now I'm running. And they scored so easily that I just said to myself, whoever makes a mistake or whoever just doesn't score, the last team with the ball is going to win. And we saw in the next three possessions, the Bills punted, the Chiefs punted, the Bills punted. And before you know it, there's six minutes left in the half and the Chiefs are driving down to score and end up scoring with a minute and 52 seconds left. I actually thought that they would take more time off the clock. And what I said to myself was that this is the danger zone for the, for the Buffalo Bills because if the Chiefs score here and the Bills don't score before the half, the Chiefs get the ball back at the start of the second half and they can put this thing away. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. It felt like, okay, maybe the Chiefs have got this. Mahomes, um, my notes from that drive is just Mahomes is in God mode right now. He had one of those classic Mahomes plays where he scrambles, keeps the play alive one second longer than any other quarterback. And the defense just, you, you just can't, you can't cover for that long. You're not built to defend that long. And so Mahomes just made a touchdown out of thin air. But then, yeah, the Bills get the ball back and, and drive it right down the field. Another, a very good drive by the Bills. And then they left time on the clock. And the Chiefs get in the field goal range, but Bucker misses. Before that last little stretch, it's like we had those two opening drives, and it looked like it would be just, oh, man, any stop, any settling for a field goal felt like a stop on the opening drives. And then suddenly the first half just flew by after that, and and suddenly we're halftime, 14-14. How are you feeling at halftime? Which way were you leaning at that point? I still felt like this was anyone's game, but I felt like the the Buffalo Bills had dodged a bullet just because – they weren't going to go down two scores and chiefs come out to kick the field goal. And I'm like, all right, this is the prime position for the Buffalo bills to continue to take over. And they end up punting. And it's probably the one of the worst decisions because they punted at fourth and one and the 34. I understood that. I understand punting from going 34. It's very Brandon Staley. Yeah. I was going to say, not everyone can be Brandon Staley. <laughs> the thing I had a problem with was the fact that on third and one, you're taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. I don't, I don't want to see that at all uh, on third and two. I think they ran to um, McKenzie 
for, and he only got one yard. So I had a problem with that. They punt. The Chiefs end up scoring a touchdown to make it 23-14. Buckkiss misses the extra point. And I'm like, all right, yeah, the Buffalo Bulls are in trouble. And then they come right back. Gabriel De- Davis catches a 75-yard pass. And Josh Allen, oh, he was incredible today. You can't oh. say enough about him. I'm saying to myself, oh, this is anyone's game. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, it, it, it again, it felt like, oh, the Chiefs dealt the knockout blow. They're, they're, that's, that's the AFC champs. You know, they put them away. Nicole Hardman, that was an awesome run. Just like that, that just slight pause, just a little stutter to buy like a split second of time and then just bam, right through the line and just gone. So great play. It feels like, all right, there's some distance. And yeah, they missed the extra point. And the next play, just bomb. Gabriel Davis, who we're about to hear from a lot more in this game. And so again, now it's 23-21. And immediately my mind flips again from the Chiefs have put this away. They're in control to, oh man, I've seen this Chiefs game this season. I watched that happen against the Bengals, which is their next opponent now. We watch in other games where the Chiefs seem like they put it away, but the defense left the back door open. And we know how dangerous the Bills are. When they get going, you can't leave the door open. And we saw Josh Allen waltz through that door over and over again. So the next big play in my notes is the Tyreek Hill punt return, which almost was, was not a thing because they got a penalty on it. But then there was offsetting penalties. They kick it again. And Tyreek, returns it all the way into the red zone. But then you hated the play, the, the third down and one, where they took the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. I hate when it's third and one, fourth and one, whatever, and you have Patrick Mahomes, the, the quarterback god, the most talented quarterback that I've ever seen, and you motion him out and put Travis Kelsey or someone else in the center. What are you doing? Don't take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. They run an option with their tight end. Too creative. Let, let's settle down. Instead, they get stuffed and settle for a field goal. So 26-21, now I'm getting a little worried because I think we're down to about six minutes left, and I'm feeling like, okay, that was a decision that could come back to haunt them a little bit. No, I actually, actually have to go back a little further than that because, to me, it felt like the Chiefs had another chance to deliver another knockout blow. Right after the Bills scored, it was 21-23. Yeah. The Chiefs got the ball back, and they're actually driving. They're in Buffalo territory. It's fourth and five from the Buffalo 46. I'm thinking Buffalo can't stop this team. Why aren't you going for it? If you score there, a touchdown there, like you, you make it a two-score game, it's very difficult for Buffalo to, to come back. But they end up punting. And, I mean, it actually worked out for the Chiefs because the Bills ended up punting on the next possession. But to me, it was just like that was the time to, to really deliver that knockout punch. So we saw a lot of controversial punts on fourth and short. but. To move forward, yeah. I mean, look, it's 26-21, and the Bills have a chance to take the lead. Josh Allen drives them down the field. I think by this point, it almost feels like, felt like Josh Allen was playing like the stereotypical black quarterback. And I say that to mean that he wasn't even looking down the field at one point. It just got to the point where it's just like, you know what? I'm going to mat and 4 Vic this, and I'm just <laughs> running. He runs for a first down on fourth and four, and then the next three plays, no one's open. He's just looking to run fourth and 13. It's like, you got to make a pass and he makes the pass and then <laughs> yeah. they get the touchdown. I almost wonder if that was the play calling like that, you know, Romo even commented about that. It, it looks like we're just designing Josh Allen runs. Like we all know it's coming, but they can't stop it. We're ripping off six yards of pop. We got 10 blockers in front. Why not? Why not keep doing it? 
17 plays, 75 yard drive. It's fourth and 13. We go to the two minute warning. We come back and there's a streaker out on the field. So Stefan Diggs makes his biggest contribution of the game, tackling the streaker and get him out of here. Then, of course, Gabriel Davis back again, wide open in the end zone, runs a great route. Kansas City corner falls down. Gabriel lead. Davis made an awesome move and he just yeah. he just caught him. <laughs> yeah, he caught him. So we know, though, the Chiefs have all three timeouts and we're just that's first play under the two minute warning. So, you know, this is not over. The, now, remember, Bodker missed the extra point. Allen makes another absolutely magic play to get the two point conversion. He makes the Mahomes play. He keeps the play alive for like a second too long. I, I honestly thought luckily he was just throwing it away and then just throws it up. I think that was Diggs. Okay, I, I take it back, Diggs. You made another good play. You got the two-point conversion there. So Bills go up three, which is big because it really should have just been a tie game. If the Chiefs had just made their extra point, the Bills kicked their extra point and were tied. Instead, the Bills are up three now, but the Chiefs have two minutes. They've got three timeouts. You know that's more than enough time for Patrick Mahomes, especially if you just drop a little dime to Tyree Kill and he just runs past everyone in the stadium. He's so fast. Dude is giving his cheetah two fingers up sign as he's like celebrating going into the end zone. Like the only thing he did wrong on that play, remember you used to play like Madden or Tech Mobile and you would like get to the goal line and then just like run up and down the goal line a while to run the clock out. I feel like Tyree Kill should have done that and just try to run some time off the clock. Instead, he goes in and just just as Josh Allen thinks he's won the game for the Bills, suddenly the Bills are back down again and we, we got a long ways to go still. Yeah, I mean, there's a minute left in this game and I think everybody's saying it, you know, the way the Bills have driven the ball up the field is too much time. I was a little nervous at this time. I, I had a little bet on the Bills. I'm thinking this is going to be a lot for them to get up the field and they get up the field, obviously, past the Gabriel Davis again for for 28 yards to take it to the Chiefs, 47. Another pass to Gabriel Davis for 12 yards to take it to the Chiefs, 35. It's just, he was just absolutely unstoppable. Then you got the pass to Emmanuel Sanders to the Chiefs, 19. I'm thinking there's 23 seconds left in this game. There's plenty of time and they still have their time out. So then you get another pass to Gabriel Davis for 19 yards, the touchdown. It's 13 seconds left. You're thinking this game is over. and <laughs> to me, the Bills made the biggest mistake of the game, and they didn't choose to squib kick it. They didn't choose to kick it short. They kick it right into the end zone. At this point in time, I said to myself, Chiefs had three timeouts. I actually placed a bet on the Chiefs. I also had a teaser with the Bills and the Rams. So the, the teasers are good, but I have a huge bet on the Buffalo Bills. And when they didn't squib kick it, I have to, ha- I have to cover myself because it's Patrick Holmes, three timeouts. Yeah, you, you got to cover yourself at that point because, like, we got two guys playing video game quarterback on the field right now. And, like, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd that with 13 seconds, you feel the need to cover yourself against, by the way, the number one defense in football. Like, yeah. in any normal scenario, 13 seconds is you throw the ball for like a 15 yard pass in the middle and then, like, line up and throw Hail Mary, like, 10 yards short of the goal line, knock down, game over. That's it. Like, for, for, 99% of the NFL games, that's it. That's the ending. Or you try the stupid lateral play and then the Bills walk off a touchdown or something. Like, I didn't feel so, comfortable for one second. Like, what does that say about Mahomes? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it says about him. Yeah, so Mahomes throws the pass to Tyree Kill. Next pass, they got Travis Kelsey. They back off him. They get the skinny slant, hit Kelsey. 
we go from, can we get this close enough for Harrison Butker to even get a kick off? Can he kick it 63? Can he get a 64? We got breathless Jay Feely updates on the broadcast. Suddenly they get so much yardage on two plays, two timeouts that we're in a 49 yard field goal. Like we're in just like a standard field goal range for Butker. He nails it. The entire chiefs scoring drive took less time than Dak Prescott's quarterback sneak, by the way. So just to put that in perspective, sorry to bring up old wounds on that one. He hits the kick. We go to overtime, 18 points in the final 113, 25 points in the final two minutes. I saw online, this is the second most points in the last two minutes of any game in NFL history. Uh, the most was 28 in a game with my Vikings and the Ravens back in 2013 in a snowball fight game. Win probability at this point. So we're going to overtime. In the last two minutes alone, we've gone from Chiefs 76%, Chiefs 27%, Chiefs 82% after the Cheetah touchdown, down to 13%. Now we're back to 43%. Seems a little low to me on that one because the Chiefs are at home and going to overtime. At this point, we can't get into it because we've got way more things to talk about. The terrible, terrible overtime rules rear their head. I know in my heart at this point, we're, we're, we got a coin flip for the winner of the game. Neither defense is getting off the field. Whoever wins the coin flip, I, I tweeted it too. You treat it as four down territory. You get the ball, you can't do anything but go for the touchdown. If you kick a field goal, you may as well just give up and walk off the field. So the Chiefs won the coin toss. I think, oh man, I think that's a. The tragic thing about it is the team who tied the game has even greater advantage if they won the coin flip because the defense has to go right back out there after just trying to stop the team. So you have a tired defense against an offense they can't stop anyway. So I, I think we knew what the result was going to be. Kansas City ends up winning. And obviously Kansas City was on the wrong side of this in the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago against Brady. So I think Josh Allen and his Bills team will be back. But it's the NFL. You never know. And you don't get too many cracks at it. So it's, it's disappointing to see the game in that way. But at the end of the day, if you got 13 seconds and you have a lead, you can't allow a team to drop 60 yards and kick a field goal. So yeah, in many ways, we can complain about the overtime rules, but your defense has to make a stop. And I think yeah. when we look at this game, we'll look back and say the loss of Tredavious White really had an impact on this Bills team. Yeah, the Tyreek Hill finally had that big game that he really hadn't had for quite a long time. 150 yards receiving on 11 catches. He had that 45-yard punt return. Gabriel Davis, 201 yards on four touchdowns, a playoff record. By the way, Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes combined for over 700 yards and seven touchdowns. They each had 68 rushing yards or more. I had the over on both of their those props, and that was like the easiest money that I made all day. Mahomes hit his over on the first drive with like a one run right up the middle. Each quarterback, 0.51 EPA per play, which is an absurd number. They combined for 55 EPA, just those two alone. Both teams were over 85% success rate on every series for the game. So just crazy, crazy numbers. Patrick Mahomes was almost a full EPA per play on late downs, just did anything he wanted. By the way, I think this is the point where after an official mea culpa, Josh Allen officially has moved into my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. He, he's officially in the top 10 now, updating uh, from our rankings like a couple of months ago. Our producer, Matt Mitchell, a, a big Bills fan, gave us some deserved crap 
for leaving Alan out of our, I think, I think you made it into the bottom of your top 10. He's in mine now. He's uh, not near the bottom of the top 10 anymore. So I'm assuming he's moving up the ranks a little bit for you. Yeah, I think, I mean, you got to have him top five at this point. He, he went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes on the road. He did everything that you asked him. He basically had two game winning drives and his defense <laughs> couldn't hold him down. He's not as fortunate as Tom Brady, who just happens to have all the juju and all the good luck. Some guys just don't get that. So we'll get into it with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers Rams game. And you'll see, you know, just how lucky he really was. Cause it's just, I've never seen a quarterback run the way Tom Brady has. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good a transition is any, I'm sure we could talk about chiefs bills for the rest of the podcast, but let's get into Rams bucks. So rewind a little bit earlier on Sunday. This was a heck of a Sunday of football. We're in Tampa Bay. The defending champions are hosting. They close as three point favorites. And the Rams just come out and take it to them early and dominate this to the point that, I mean, they had to have had 10 or 15 times where a single play could have gone the other direction. And it's just over. It's blown wide open. It should have ended before halftime a couple of times. The worst fumble luck in the world against the Rams all the way down the stretch. Well, maybe not the worst. There was the Stafford fumble right at the end that could have really, really screwed the game up for them. But the Rams, Take the huge lead early. The Bucks come all the way back. The Rams get the late field goal after the cup catches and win it 30 to 27. They get the cover and the plus 120 on the money line. Obviously, another over here. So back at the beginning, the Rams are just all over the Bucks early. Early on, as the Rams score and then are in the backfield on every single play. I feel like Brady's under pressure every play. How quickly were you very worried for Tampa Bay? I came into this game actually liking the Rams because I felt like coming into this game, we knew about the offensive line injuries for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We knew that against Von Miller and Aaron Donald, they would be able to cause some pressure for Tom Brady. You know, I love Tom Brady. He's one of my favorite players of all time. He can get the job done with anybody. But at some point, when you don't have your offensive line against this dominant pass rush, which is first in ESPN's pass rush one week, you're going to have some issues. And I think we saw that early. I actually took the first half under. I lucked into that one. I, I really lucked into that one. This was one of the first games that I've seen in the playoffs where it felt like Tom Brady's team weren't getting the calls. So you had the Rams come down, kick a field goal, next possession, Tampa Bay punts. And then it looks like the, the, the Rams are driving and you get an Sue sack on Matthew Stafford. And they end up calling a taunting penalty because he's pointing his finger at Matthew Stafford saying, don't kick me. So that ends up leading to a touchdown. Tampa Bay, they come back down and kick a field goal. That kind of stalls the momentum. You're starting to feel like, okay, Tampa Bay's in this game. They actually get another sack of Matthew Stafford. It's third and 20. You have the blown coverage on Cooper Cup. He's wide open, 70-yard pass. It's 17-3. Next possession, Tampa Bay punts. And you're thinking... The Bucs might, might be out of this one. Definitely felt like they're out of that one. You know, Scott Hockley had a podium game for himself early at, at referee. Just, just ridiculous calls. I mean, literally, Tom Brady has played football for like seven decades and had never in his life had an unsportsmanlike call. That has changed. He now has one because apparently Brady gave, gave him a little bit too much lip, literally bloody lip, because he had actually taken a hit on it and complained about it. So he gets his 15 yards, probably should have been 15 yards against 
the Rams, uh, if you call that penalty, it's easy to look at the end of the game and say, oh, well, it was a tie game then, take away those penalties early and the Bucs should have won. That's not my takeaway here. But it certainly didn't help that the Bucs were getting buried by these calls early on. 20 minutes in, they had three 15-yard penalties already. And twice this game, they kicked it out of bounds. That's just a penalty. Like, that's not a bad call, but that's just a huge loss of special teams yardage. The Rams were dominating all three phases here. Their defense was all over them. The Bucs offensive line was just a mess. Kristen Wirfs was out, and uh, I actually ended up just buying out of my Bucks position. I, I was fading. When you and I talked about this on the last podcast, I was fading in my belief on Tampa. When Wirfs went out, I was like, you know what? I- I'm just, I'm out. I-, I don't know what to expect from either line when they're both missing such a key player. And the Rams line held up pretty well, I think in part because the Bucks pass rushers just weren't healthy enough. They just weren't getting a lot of pressure on. But the replacement for the Bucks not getting the job done, Donovan Smith, not a replacement, absolutely horrible at left tackle. Like, he was just a turnstile. Von Miller just coming on through, like, classic old Denver Broncos Von Miller phase. Rams offense looked good. Rams special teams certainly played better. This was just a game where, for two-thirds of the game, the Rams were way better. And they were way better at everything. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, as, as, as good as they were, the Rams just didn't put this game away. Right before halftime, you had the Tom Brady interception, which really pissed me off because I had that first half under 24. And the Rams get the ball in Tampa Bay territory. You have the fumble from Cam Akers at the one-yard line with 10 seconds to go. Tampa Bay's able to basically kneel on it. And... I hit my first half under. We had a lot of celebration on Twitter for those guys who trailed me. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, you know, coming out of halftime, the, the Rams actually pumped in the first possession. And you're thinking, this is Tom Brady on the other end. You got to, you got to, they got the momentum. Tampa Bay doesn't do anything with the first possession. Rams end up scoring on next possession. It's 27-3 in the third quarter. I'm thinking this is over. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm totally thinking it's over. I, I'm, I'm writing my eulogy for the Bucks already. Here's my notes at that point. Note number one, I thought it looked like both Leftwich and Bulls were coaching like they spent all week interviewing for other jobs. They just got very outcoached this game. And, you know, the, the Rams coaches have had the number of the Bucks coaches in this matchup. And sometimes you just get that in various coaching matchups. Lesson number two, hard to repeat. The champs played a long, grueling schedule last year. They came into the year as clear favorites with, you know, that just a roster that was loaded. They brought back everyone, all 22 starters, but literally from week one, from the opening game of the season, the injuries started piling up and they piled up at corner and on O-line, two of the places where you really can't hide and do anything about it. They got them at some of the skill positions. This just wasn't the team it was supposed to be. That's why it's really hard to repeat. It's like you've got a long schedule and everyone's coming at you. This was about the Bucs just didn't have it anymore. This, this just wasn't the Bucs team we were supposed to be hoping for. This was the shell of whatever was left. And it wasn't to me that the Rams were this absolute juggernaut burying them. It's what the scoreboard said, but it was just that the Bucs, they just didn't have anything left. They were a heavyweight fighter that had given everything and they were just gassed. I didn't even look at them like they were gassed. To me, I just felt like injuries destroyed this team. And then yeah. one of the things that stood out to me is 
the Bucs couldn't block the Rams with their offensive line issues. But they really needed another weapon. And I said to myself, it's like, they would have been better off just letting Antonio Brown be their Dennis Rodman. When it comes to team sports, you got to understand that there's going to be a black sheep. There's going to be a guy who's causing problems. I'm a fan of the Cowboys. So I've seen it with my, <laughs> the most successful years of, of my Cowboys fandom has been when the Cowboys were at their most troublesome. And they could have used Antonio Brown today. They just didn't have the weapons. This game turned on his head at some point. <laughs> yeah, for me, the real turning point, I thought was the Cooper Cup fumble. So we had the, the Cam Akers fumble just before the half where it should have been 27 to three at the half. And it's basically game over at that point. I kind of felt like it was still game over. It felt like it was just prolonging the misery at that point. But then the Cooper Cup fumble comes. Bucks get a touchdown. So I think they're up to 13 at this point. I still feel like it's over. The Bucks offense has really not had a real drive yet. They haven't really done a whole lot. But the Rams go three and out. The crowd is roaring. It's the start of the fourth quarter. We all know, Tom, we all know he can come back from 28 to three and they get the ball back. I think the very first play on their drive, Brady gets hit, strip sack, and it's back to being over again. Except on the very next play, Matt Stafford rears his ugly head and enters the chat. They snap it over his head. He's not looking 30 yards backward and the Bucks recover. Just like, like you said, a classic Tom Brady sequence to blow the game, and then it turns out you you basically stripped, sack, fumbled himself 30 yards forward for the drive, but then they get nothing out of it anyway, and on top of it, they get the, that weird bang-bang call. Fourth down, they go for it correctly. They throw it deep to Mike Evans. No penalty. It, it was a correct no call, except that afterward, there is a late hit by Eric Weddle, and it's a bang-bang play. If the ball, if 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 Evans doesn't touch the ball, then maybe the ball like hits the Rams guy and bounces up in the air. The Bucks probably win this game, right? Like the penalty doesn't even make any sense. They said it was after the play. Weddle was launching himself into Mike Evans before the ball hits the ground. But because the ball hits the ground first, they say it was after the play was over, which was like, completely goofy. And if you're all for player safety and you're trying to protect players, certainly should have been a first down for Tampa. I agree. You got like, that's a rule change coming. And let's be fair here. The Rams have been on the wrong end of more than a few pivotal rule change moments in the playoffs. So maybe this is just the universe. You know, finally, Tom's been on the right end of about like 40 over the years. So Tom finally had to give one back to the Rams. Maybe that's all it was. But yeah, Brady just under pressure all game long. The Rams then get another drive. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to put this one away. Any points now, it's a 14-point game. Even a field goal, back to three scores, game over. They missed the field goal. So we still have the game. It's still open. Still not really open, though, right? Really can't. The Bucs haven't done anything yet. Yeah, they still haven't done anything. The Bucs get the ball, and they turn it over on downs again. It's four minutes left. They're down 14. They're in Rams territory. They turn it over on downs. Like You're like, okay, this game's over. And then the Rams get the ball back. They pretty much go three and out and they punt. Brady gets the ball. They score in pretty much a minute. You got the bomb to, to Mike Evans. So, yeah, <laughs> Evans beats Jalen Ramsey a one-on-one and uh, plays the ball well, gets a touchdown. Rams get the ball back. We're still up seven. We're still fine. And then two plays later, they're just trying to hand it off. You know, you, you know they're not letting Matt Stafford throw at this point. That's the last thing they're doing. Just hand it off, run the ball. And then Akers fumbles it. 
and the Bucks recover in field goal range already, but they need the touchdown. And oh my God, the Bucks have a chance now. They drive down. I think we get to fourth down and they go for it. They have to go for it. I thought Tom's going to sneak because Tom is like 38 of 39 or whatever lifetime. I think the Rams probably thought he's going to sneak too. And they get it off to playoff Lenny. He waltzes in for the touchdown. We're tied with 43 seconds left. And, and you know, the crazy thing about that Rams possession is it looked like Cam Akers was actually going to break it. And he gets right to the first down. And that's when he fumbles. And, you know, one first top down actually ends the game because the Bucs yep. didn't have any more timeouts left at that point. So it's tied at this point. You're just thinking Tom Brady's going to do this again. On the first play of the, the Rams drive, Matthew Stafford fumbles it. And it's like, oh, my God, there's no way that this is going to happen. I think he did that himself. I think that he looked up the middle, saw there was nothing there. I think the Rams were going to kind of play somewhat conservative and just try to run the clock, make sure that they didn't give the Bucs the ball back. I think he just called his own number, goes right up the middle, like takes like the one step drop and immediately goes and then fumbles. And the one piece of luck, they finally get all game. It basically lands on the ball. Otherwise, this is just an all time epic choke. Like for them to lose in overtime here would have been one thing. But to do that and fumble it away and then lose in regulation after 27-3. This would have been worse than like there's, there's been some all time postseason comebacks. This would have been worse than 28-3, worse than Frank Wright in the Buffalo Bills coming back against Warren Moon. This would have been the worst I've ever seen. I have to give credit here to Sean McVay. If I just saw my quarterback call his own number, run up the middle, and nearly fumble literally my season away, the guy I've traded my entire franchise of picks for, I'm taking a knee, I'm going to overtime, and I'm going to try to catch my breath and try again. I'm certainly not letting my quarterback drop back and throw, but you play to win the game. Stafford drops back and you're only going to one guy at this point. It's Cooper cup. They hit Cooper cup down the sideline. He gets the ball. He gets out of bounds. The next play drop back and goes over the top to Cooper cup again. I didn't think about it at the time, but Antoine Winfield should have let him score. Right. Because at least then you get a chance. Like you, you should let him score. And I mean, look, the Chiefs got the ball tonight with 13 seconds left and had a chance and scored. Winfield lets him score. You at least have a shot. He tackles him. The Rams sprint down the field. I always think it's so dumb. Like if there's a play 20 yards or more, 25 or more, I don't know what the number is. You should just have like, everything should stop for 10 seconds. Like the, the clock shouldn't just keep on going because how many times do we see a team never get up to the line and you have to call a timeout or get the delay of game? I always think that's ridiculous. Credit to the Rams for being aggressive and for getting all the way down the field, lining up, bike the ball. They bring on the kicker. They make the field goal. They're headed to the NFC Championship game. Got to call out Todd Bowles for that play call because we saw the Rams kicker miss a 47-yard field goal. And I know that Cooper Cup was like, he caught the pass at the 44-yard line. Bucks are thinking and Todd Bowles were thinking that if they get 15 more yards, they can ice this game. But to call a slot blitz and leave a safety solely responsible for Cooper Cup, to me, that was just the worst decision I've ever seen. And I just don't understand how you're that aggressive in that situation when, to me, you have a dominant pass rush. There's no reason to call that slot blitz. They said the Rams kicker got 
hurt before pregame. A 50-yard field goal is not a gimme. So mm-hmm. it's just, to me, that was the play call that truly cost the Bucks the game because, look, I know Cooper Cup is difficult to guard, but you just made it too easy on him. And I felt like it, it, was, it was frustrating to watch in real time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I would put, I'd take it further. A 50-yard field goal is not a gimme. I'm not even positive they try a 50-yard field goal. Like, they may not even think that's in his range. If, if he's worried about kicking it short, you may not want to give up a chance at a return if, if his leg can't quite handle it. Like, you got to be playing a prevent, thinking that you just need to keep them, like, outside of the 30, really, and you probably have a good shot at heading to overtime. You have to like your chances in overtime, the way that the Rams are, are melting down. And look, the Rams literally two weeks ago had this exact same meltdown to the 49ers on their home field. Like, they just did this. Matthew Stafford has had a, more than a few meltdowns like this against good teams. So you have to know if you got Tom Brady on one side and the champs versus the meltdown happening on the other side, you got to feel good about it. So I agree. Rough look for Todd Bowles. Just, I mean, that's, that's him. That's him and Bruce Arians. They're aggressive to the max and it got him here. Uh, Tom Brady for the game, credit to the old man. He wasn't good. He was under pressure all game. It wasn't all on him, but negative 0.22 EPA per play. That's rough. That's a rough look. Negative 10 completion over expectation. Matt Stafford numbers, obviously much better. You know, this, we we talked uh, on our last podcast. I said, this felt like it could turn out to be the opposite of the Super Bowl, where the Bucs now were the team that had the quarterback and nothing else. And it did feel a lot like that, this game, where just, Brady just never had any time and he kind of ran out of weapons. The defense wouldn't get the job done. And just like, well, you can't play quarterback by yourself. You need someone to give you time and someone to get open. And he wasn't good, but he wasn't given much opportunity. Yeah. I mean, like even like in the third quarter, right before punt, Tyler Johnson dropped a wide open catch to pretty much end the drive. And it's just like, you just had situations like that all day. Obviously they couldn't block. So it was just tough, but Look, Tom Brady, I don't know what he does. I don't know what type of voodoo his, his wife does. But for whatever reason, he's always in these games. And there's just this sense of inevitability with Tom Brady because at some point he's going to start playing well enough. And if you just leave the door open for him, he's going he's gonna to run through that door. And he almost got there today. So it's just, for me, it's, it's always inspiring to watch him play or whatever whatever's going on with his team. They just always they always yeah. find a way to, to stay in these games. Like, it's just, it's incredible to really watch. It was. And there, there was some buzz in this game and near the end that that maybe this was it for Brady. Boy, there is some symmetry if that is it. If he go, like, Brady got Brady, you know? He came all the way back. And then rather than being safe and going for overtime, the other team's quarterback threw a couple of plays down the field. They got the field goal. That's where the legend of Tom began. So there is kind of an interesting symmetry. but. The man is so competitive and to, to end the season that way, to have come all the way back and then not get to touch the ball again after that. I have a hard time believing he's going to step away after that. I hope he doesn't. You know, he's, he's so good. He was an MVP candidate all year. Hopefully see him again. Uh, other takeaway from this game, the Rams still cannot run the ball. Cam Akers had 24 carries for 48 yards. He had two monster fumbles. I don't know how they're going to get any running game or rely on any running game next week. So that's a big problem. But for you, bottom line for this game, 
Was this a bigger, does this tell you more about the Rams? Does this tell you more about the Bucs? I think this, this told me more about the Buccaneers. I, I think you saw that within the betting markets as well. Like this line actually got down to two and a half. And I think it, a lot of it had to do with professionals selling on the Buccaneers who had their offensive line issues. And for the Buccaneers to be able to make this a game, it said a lot about what the Rams are. And I still don't, I still can't totally trust this team. So yeah, yeah those I'm, concerns I'm are going to be there next week. I'm with you on that. This told me that the Bucs just didn't have anyone left. It told you credit to the Rams. They got the job done. We're not taking anything away from them. But the fact that the Rams beat up on a bad Cardinals team that had fallen apart at the end of the year and a Bucks team that just didn't have many bodies left. I'm not quite ready to crown them quite yet. So we'll come back to that, I'm sure. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to the Saturday games. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. So Saturday night was the big one for me and you. We were all in on the 49ers. We've been backing them all uh, coming to the playoffs, especially for this game, headed to Lambeau at Green Bay. 49ers were the biggest underdog of the weekend. Closed at five and a half, about 200 on the money line. Game went way under, not much scoring. So the Packers come out. This is a classic Lambeau game, zero degrees basically throughout the game, just like Aaron Rodgers prefers from his medical advisors, by the way, zero degrees. So the Packers come out, they get the long opening drive, they're chewing up the clock, they get the uncalled block in the back, you know, because that's what the Packers do at home. They never get the penalties called on them. Devontae has three catches of the first drive. They're doing anything they want. Touchdown Packers, seven, nothing. The Niners get the ball, false start. They get to third downs. Darius Smith gets the sack. Packers get the ball back. They're driving again. And at this point, I'm all ready to bury my bet. All my futures in the Niners are done. The Packers are about to absolutely slaughter them. And 10 minutes into the game, it's already over, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, you get the, the, the fumble from Mercedes Lewis. Brett Warner knocks it out. Drake Greenlaw picks it up. And you're thinking the 49ers are back in this. 
but the offense just can't get it, can't get it going. Jimmy Garoppolo gets sacked. You get a three and out. They punt it again. And the next thing you know, you pretty much have a punt fest. Yeah, and even after that Mercedes Lewis fumble, the very next two plays, the 49ers turn it over on both of them, but they get overturned. Otherwise, the game could have basically been put away multiple times right away. But the Niners are on life support. They're getting nothing. First four drives, they're at negative 10 yards. No first downs. But it's at that point, after that Mercedes Lewis fumble, the Niners defense woke up. D'Amico Ryans, the Niners defensive coordinator, had himself a game. The defensive line, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, each had two sacks. Monster game for them. Packers O-line, that has normally been very reliable, was not looking good. David Bakhtiari was a late scratch in this one, and that was a huge factor here. So after that Mercedes Lewis fumble, the Niners were still were still only 12% to win the game on win probability. But here's what happened on the, on the yardage after that. The Packers had a 75-yard catch to Aaron Jones right before the half. Other than that play, Green Bay ran 38 other plays for 86 yards the entire rest of the game. 2.3 yards per play for the league's number one offense. That is a heck of a showing for the 49ers defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. And they, it's just they cover for their offense so well. And you look at the 49ers, they were about to score before the end of the half. And Jimmy Garoppolo, it looks like he has a wide open George Kittle. He underthrows it and it's an interception. And it's just like, oh, my God, you're looking at this game. It's like, when are they going to score? Then, you know, you have the broken play to Aaron Jones, and it looks like Green Bay is going to go up 10, and they block the field goal. So you're going into the half 7 nothing As a 49ers better, you can't be happier than what you saw at that point. Oh, absolutely. Like, the game should have been over every direction by now. And I actually noted, too, watching live, I tweeted this out. I doubled down at the half because what I saw on that last drive, so the very last drive, George Kittle got a catch, a really good play, gets the catch, the first first down of the game for the Niners. They're moving the ball. And the thing you noticed after that, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but the Niners had not done much motion, pre-snap motion before that drive. They get the Kittle first down. And after that is when they finally get the run game going. And you see them, they line up, they motion one guy over, they put Kittle or another guy in motion and sweep run that way. And they're getting these six-yard chunk plays of runs. That is classic Kyle Shanahan football. They didn't do that for the first, like, 20, 25 minutes. After that, I thought that last drive, even though they didn't get points, I, I saw something there. So I actually, it was plus 360 on the money line at half. I took it. I, I thought that this was shaping up like a classic uh, Packers playoff game where they just left the door open. They were making these mistakes. We knew that the run defense wasn't good. We knew they had the worst special teams in the NFL, and we're seeing those mistakes crop up. And you know in the playoffs, you can't make too many of those mistakes or it's going to come back to bite you. So the second half starts, and like what happened with Tyreek Hill, they put Debo back to return the kick. And Debo returns it out to the 50 and just has himself a drive. He got a a catch and run after. He gets the ball a couple times on the handoff. We're getting right down into the red zone. The Niners about to score a touchdown and tie this thing up. But of course, it's in Lambeau. So penalty on whatever it is the refs feel like calling because they just have a button that the fans press whenever the Packers needed a, a penalty. <laughs> That's, you know, you talked about it. 
they, they have the best home field advantage in sports and the penalties are a big part of that. That's the fans just, you know, giving them, giving them the medicine. So they settle for a field goal, seven to three at that point, but you still are feeling pretty solid about the Niners at this point compared to what could have been. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're really feeling solid. Green Bay punts, 49ers. They also punt, they get another three and out. So it's just a def- defensive minded game. And you're kind of just waiting for somebody to make a play. And then you kind of look up and it's like, okay, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they, they get down to the San Francisco 24 yard line. And this is the danger territory. You're thinking Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers are going to punch it in. It, it looks rough because obviously you got the, the, the holding penalty, which makes it first down. And they're, they're first in, in, in goal at the seven. And it looks really bad. Eric Armstead is able to make the sack. It's just a seven point game. And you're thinking the 49ers, they have a shot. So, yeah, the Niners, if the Packers get the touchdown there at 14 to three, like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo was just awful in this game. He was so bad. At no point did that change. He was terrible. Kyle Shanahan treated him like he does when he has one of those bad games where it's just like, I'm not going to give you a chance to screw up anymore. Like Garoppolo had like five or more passes to the flats, just like lofting it over there. Dude was dying to throw the game season ending pick six. He's just laying it up over on the side. So you're not feeling great. If, if the Packers go up 14, three, we're done. Like the Niners, you know, by the way, it's snowing. It's it's, we got everything coming at them. Now it's a classic Lambo game. And it's, it's feeling like the Packers could just start to run away with this. If this goes the wrong way, but the Niners get the stop, the Niners, you know, get, get the ball moving again. As the snow is coming down, we're losing traction, getting harder and harder to pass. It's getting easier and easier to run. The Niners are getting their blocking going. They got the run game going. I feel like we're having a chance here. And this is where I got to dump on Cal Shanahan a little bit. So Shanahan just gets a little too cute sometimes. Debo Samuel on that return, kickoff return, great. Obviously, 50-yard play, huge return. You love it. But what you don't notice necessarily is that Debo missed the entire next series because he's gassed from returning the long play. Now, that's a trade you're willing to make. If you're going to get a 50-yard return, you're going to take him out a few plays. But then there's the huge third down or a fourth down, I think, where they go Trent Williams, the stud blocker. They put him in motion again. I hated that when they did it last week. They got a false start out of it. They tried again, didn't learn their lesson, pick up a monster pancake block, Looks super cool. First down. Guess what? You put your giant lineman in motion. He gets gassed. So now he's over on the sideline. And now you bury yourself on first and second down because he's missing the next two plays. And they, they keep doing that later in the game. It's fourth down for the season. You put Trent, Trent Williams in motion again. Your best player, by the way. He blocks no one because you motioned him out of the play. And you run Elijah Mitchell into the pile. And I'm just thinking, Shanahan, you, you blew it. You cost yourself the season. Debo is off the field. Trent is blocking nobody on the side. And what are you doing in the biggest play of the season? I thought Shanahan played himself. Yeah, like that, that fourth down play, it was just, it was really, really rough. We saw last week with, the, with them putting Trent Williams in motion and getting the false start penalty. It's just, I would have rather have seen Debo in that situation um, more than 
Mitchell, for whatever reason, Debo is just able to break some tackles and he's able to get to the outside. But this Packers team has shown that they can't really stop the run in the middle. So the yeah. Packers well, I would have rather had I would have rather Jimmy just keeps it. You got your giant quarterback. Grapple has a better QB keep record than Tom Brady. Like he's he's nearly perfect, I think, lifetime on the keep. So just you're like six inches away. You got an old line that's winning and a Packers line that can't stop you. Like stop getting creative. Just push forward and get the first down and run another play here. So the Packers get the ball back. Again, it feels like it's over. And again, this is where Eric Armstead, I believe, made another huge sack. They get the Niner or get the Packers in a negative script. Packers line up for the punt. And this is where the entire game swings right up the middle. The poor long snapper never has a chance. And the guy comes right up the middle, blocks the punt. I have no idea where the ball is. Neither is the cameraman, neither half the guys on the field. I rewound it. I counted like two and a half seconds that the ball is just off the screen in the air somewhere. The Niners pick it up, run it in. Holy crap. It's 10 to 10. We're tied. Yeah. And it felt like the ball was in the air forever. And, you know, when that play happens, you're thinking, look, it's a, it's a great score from the 49ers, but Aaron Rodgers has the ball. All he needs is the field goal. He's going to get it. And they get a three and out. And then not only do they get a three and out, they pick up a penalty. So you're pretty much punting from even further back and you're giving the San Francisco 49ers an opportunity to get better field position. Yeah. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, this was not all on Aaron Rodgers. The Packers special teams were just, just terrible. Like hard to be much worse. They gave up a block punt touchdown. They get the field goal block. They gave up kick returns of 32 and 45 yards. Just atrocious game by them. But Aaron Rodgers, not atrocious, but not good enough. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers will play another snap for the Packers. If he doesn't, here are his last five plays for the Packers. His last five dropbacks, I should say. First one, he, he throws in completion. Josh Norman has come on the field, and he's on Devonta Adams. And this is what we saw the theme, is that Aaron Rodgers loses trust in the guys on his team, and he only will go to the guys that he trusts, and that's Adams and Cobb. So he forces it to Adams, doesn't make a good throw, incompletion. Next play, he holds on the ball too long, and that's the Armstead sack. So he takes the sack, then the punt gets blocked. So now it's tied. But again, like you said, the, the Packers are still 62% winning probability here. You're, you're still in a good shape. It's a disaster, but you got Rodgers. You're at home. The Niners can't move the ball. You're still in fine shape. So they get the ball back. First pass, Rodgers forces it to Adams. Four yard out, eh, fine, whatever. But there are other guys open. Next play, Rodgers throws, finally remembers he has another receiver and forces it over to Randall Cobb on the left side of the field. I think Cobb's only target of the game. We're like a split second away from a pick six. Like the, the Niners guy is right there. Another split second later, he's gone the other way, and that's it. And by the way, two other Packers receivers are like button-hooked in the middle of the field, just wide open, uncovered. But no, Randall Cobb's my guy. I traded for him. I'm throwing to Cobb. So we got incomplete to Cobb. We're third down. I'm watching a game with my dad. At this point, I turn to him and I say, this is the play when the Niners double cover Devontae Adams because they know it's going to him and Rodgers finds Equinemia St. Brown or Lazard or somebody for like a killer 35-yard play. So what happens? 
They double cover Devontae. Lazard comes over the middle on a long slant and is completely uncovered, wide open. Should have been like a 30, 40 yard play into field goal range. Rodgers forces it to Adams, double covered, incomplete. And that's pretty much the last pass that we get from him. Yeah, it was really tragic when you thought about it. Actually, he had two guys wide open on that play. And when you look at the targets, Aaron Jones had 10 targets. Devontae Adams had 11 targets. And no other receiver had more than one, except for Dominique Daphne. He had two targets. But he essentially just wasn't passing the ball to anybody else. So I think that's been a weakness of this Packers team and Aaron Rodgers. And for whatever reason, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, in these playoff moments, he just hasn't gotten it done. And, and you know, at times that we could blame Mike McCarthy, we blame the defense. But when you have other guys wide open and you're not getting the ball, it's kind of your fault. So you got to take a chance and make a play at some point. He took five sacks in this game. Sacks are quarterback stat. That is on you for holding the ball too long. He wasn't getting a lot of blocking, not entirely on him, but he's, he's taking sacks or throwing it away. Devontae Adams is beating every time you have a chance and you've got other receivers who are repeatedly seeing open. I went back and watched the last like 10 minutes. And if you watch Adams, I remember watching live. My eyes are finding Adams on every single play. Where is he? Where is he? Cause I know I've got to make sure he's covered. You watch the other guys. They're open because the Niners are all watching Adams too. And apparently they knew what I knew, which is that that's what Rogers is watching him as well. So Rodgers actually finished at negative 0.19 EPA per play on throws. The last two drives, the Packers go six plays from minus 15 yards. Obviously, the Niners still had work to do. They go to Kittle over the middle. They got the third down and seven call. They hand it off to Debo. That was the most I interesting call in the game because for you to call a draw there, like that, that says a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought they'd throw to Kittle, but thinking back on it, I think that play to me, is we are not giving Aaron Rodgers any chance to beat us in regulation because there's about a minute left. So worst case scenario, we run the clock. We don't risk any incompletion. We get 45 seconds off the clock and we either try a long field goal or we punt it and go to overtime. Best case scenario, we pick up a first down and get a shot at this. I think that that was just a conservative call to not give Aaron a shot. No pun intended, I guess. Aaron doesn't like taking the shot anyways. <laughs> but Debo got the first down. Again, we, we said this. We've seen this in other games. It's it's the run defense that that cost them here. They couldn't get off the field on the run defense. I love, as a guy that lives in Chicagoland, Robbie Gold, longtime Chicago Bear, comes on the field. Robbie Gold knocks the Packers out. You know he loves that moment after spending like a decade with the Bears. And of course... One more blow. The Packers season ends with 10 guys on the field for a special teams play just for one more last special teams mistake to end this thing. Because, of course, how could it end any other way? We've said it all year. This team reminded us of the Saints from 2017 to 2020, where it's just they had these dominant regular seasons and maybe they get into the playoffs and they just had some bad luck or they just flat out couldn't get it done. And I'm fortunate, but it appears that this is the end of an era Packers are over the cap and Aaron Rodgers has stated that he doesn't, he's not interested in playing for a rebuild. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going forward. Who's going to be their quarterback next year. I know they're going to have to resign or franchise tag Devontae Adams, but it's going to be interesting to see what Jordan Love can do. (laughs) 
As a Vikings fan, I can't wait to find out what Jordan Love can do. Real sick of watching Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers wearing green and gold my entire life. So uh, my question for you. So we're both on 49ers futures, but late in the game, Brent Williams was picking up injuries multiple times. Debo limps off the field on the last drive. Kittle limps off the field on the last drive. Certainly, it looks like Shanahan lost confidence in Jimmy. I thought maybe even in Elijah Mitchell. They got a little too cute there. Did we win the battle but lose the war? Do, do you think that the Niners can still win two more after that game? Not sure if they can win two more because, I mean, obviously that's going to require them to beat the Chiefs or the Bengals. I mean, which they beat the, they beat the Bengals before on the road. I think the, the Chiefs are favorite. So asking them to beat this Chiefs team is, is tough. But so much of that game has to do with the weather. And when you have these inclement weather games and the snow and the wind and everything like that, you're going to, you're going to see an offensive suppression. And Jimmy G has never played in a game that that was that cold in his life. And I think they're going into a place where they've dominated. They've beaten the Rams six straight times. So I, th- I think they have an edge. And you have to assume that Debo is going to be playing. I'm not sure about Trent Williams, but I, I think they're, they have, they have a solid chance of winning next week. Yeah, I think that they'll, you know, they'll be in a good shot. I got to believe all those guys are going to play, but it, I, I am a little worried about my, my futures. Not that I ever really was confident in a Super Bowl future. Like, you're not confident when you pick a 50 to one future to win. They certainly have a shot now. So I'm feeling good about the ticket, but I'm certainly not confident that they're just going to sweep through these next couple of games. You know, I, I want to see the injury report before I go too heavily on this game. One seed, by the way, since 2003, one seed favorites in the divisional round of 10 points or less after Saturday fell to 8-24-1 and one against the spread, 25% cover rate. And that takes us into our other game. We got to go quick on this one because we've gone long on the other three. Bengals, Titans in Tennessee. Titans, bad early, in control later, gave it up late. Bengals get the win and the cover, plus four on the cover, plus 165 on the money line, 19 to 16. Cincinnati's first franchise win ever on the road in the playoffs. And uh, Ryan Tannehill laid an egg and the Bengals took advantage of it. Yeah, I think that, look, the game comes down to Ryan Tannehill. Some of it wasn't his fault in the sense that his interceptions did come off of tip passes. Now, one of the interceptions it was his fault because he threw it right to the guy that got tipped it and ran it back. But when you looked at this, this Bengals team, I, I mentioned it before. I've been saying it all year. I've been fading this Bengals team against teams with prolific passing offenses and the Titans and AJ Brown was open all game. He had five receptions, 142 yards. Julio Jones was able to make some plays, but it's like guys were wide open and it just felt like Tannehill couldn't get them the ball or they, they forced the ball into Derrick Henry a little bit too much. To me, Devontae Foreman was the better running back. I mean, he had four carries, yeah. 66 yards, 16.5 average, and they're forcing the ball to Derrick Henry right off the injury, 20 carries, 62 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. and He's not really effective. So it was frustrating to see that. And despite everything that went on, it's just like, the Titans defense pretty much dominated. They had nine sacks in this game. There's very little time where you're going to see a team get sacked nine times and win the game. But Joe Burrow just came up big. 
28 to 37, 348 yards, one interception. Titans had a chance to win this game, and you get a Ryan Tannehill interception, which pretty much puts the Bengals in range of scoring. You give Joe Burrow a chance with Jamar Chase, he's going to make a play, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, that's what's happened all down the stretch this season for Burrow and for Chase. Yeah, the sacks were a huge issue. Nine sacks. You said rarely do you get the win. This is only a second playoff game ever that a team has won allowing eight sacks. The only other one was 2003, your hometown Eagles against the Packers, fourth and 26, Freddie Mitchell. That was a fun one for sure. That's the only other one when they got the, had so many sacks and still came away with the win. The Titans were the better team on this one, but they just made too many mistakes. And the, the big plays, the third down, the fourth downs, the turnovers, they just lost all the big plays. They lost the turnover battle three nothing. Tannehill intercepted on the first play of the game. They were one of eight on third down, zero for one on fourth down, one for three in the red zone. I agree. Derrick Henry just didn't look himself. Didn't feel like he could plant and get upfield. Um, there was a drive later in the game. Titans had a third and one, and they run a an option keeper. So Tannehill could hand it off, keeps it himself, and gets just crushed. And then they go on a slow Derrick Henry run up the middle and they get stuffed. And that was the fourth down. They didn't convert. They, they just didn't have a chance here. Uh, the Bengals, I, I made some jokes about, you know, coming to the season, we talked about, did they make the right draft pick? Did they taking Jamar Chase or they could have taken Panay Sewell to come and play tackle for them? They sure could have used, the, you know, a tackle or, or for 18 in this game because that line was rough. Joe Burrow had a 4.0 average depth of target in this game because the poor dude was like getting sacked by the time he got the snap every time. But uh, Burrow, not great. Tannehill, worse. Not a great football game, but a close game, not a great game. Too much, uh, too much running in the middle for both teams. I keep harping on this for the Bengals, but for early down runs, they, they just went way too much in early down. 17 early down runs and they had negative 0.8 EPA per play only 24% success rate. You can get away with that against the Titans and against the Raiders. Good luck if you try to pull that off against the Chiefs. It's not going to go well for you. Yeah, it just it felt like both teams should have abandoned the run a lot more, and I was expecting that. And I think that's why I like the over in this game. It didn't work out for me. But, I mean, obviously you had the turnover from Tannehill. He had the, the red zone interception. Um, you had the Derrick Henry. They went for two. That didn't work out. And I, I can understand why the Bengals ran the ball a little bit more, considering they had trouble with blocking. You gotta, you gotta run the ball when your offensive line is performing that poorly. But the Titans, to me, I would have liked to see them throw the ball more because, to me, the Bengals had no answer for them. But if Tannehill yeah. will turn the ball over, it's not much you can do. Right, exactly. Like Tannehill throwing when he's throwing well, he's hitting some big plays. Adrian Brown was tearing him up when they got it to him. But when you got three interceptions in a playoff game, you're not exactly eager to keep throwing at that point either. So it's a tough spot there. Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals, gets the, the walk-off winner. Dude has been absolute nails for them as a rookie. Just keeps bailing them out. And I, I felt like, too, you know, we do NBA, obviously, me and you. To me, the Bengals here are last year's Atlanta Hawks, or the, they're the Portland Trailblazers from a few years ago. They're a good team. They're a fun young team. We're not taking anything away from them. They just got the favorable draw here. You only can play the teams in front of you. That's nothing against you. But I don't look at this and be like, wow, the Bengals are a top four team in the NFL now. No, 
The Bengals are in the final four of the NFL now. The Bengals are going to be big underdogs against any team that they play left, including a 69ers if it got there. They're just, they're the worst team left, but they've taken care of business. And, you know, Burrow and Chase will give them a chance. You can be the worst team and still have a chance. We saw that against the Chiefs week 17. They were the worst team then too. And Burrow and Chase got the job done there. So all you want is the seat of the table. And unlike the Hawks or the Blazers, we're not playing best of seven. Anything can happen in one game. And, and the Bengals only need anything to happen two more times here. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, it's the NFL. It's like this is a game with a lot of variance where turnovers can totally change the game. That's, that, that's exactly what we saw in Saturday's game. And the interesting thing about it is the Bengals have a little bit of an advantage in terms of rest because they did play on Saturday. Yep. And the Chiefs are coming off a, a big high-profile win where they needed to fight back and, and score multiple times to take the lead and win in overtime. So the, the Bengals are – I'm not counting the Bengals out of this one. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. Fourth time ever that both one seeds lost in Divisional Weekend. First time ever they both lost on the same day. Can you recall any of the previous three times that both one seeds lost in the same Divisional Round playoff? There's been two of them – Two of them during our lifetime. Do you recall either one of them? There's been two of them. I can only yeah. think of the only, I actually, um, damn, I can't even remember. Uh, the only, only year I remember where the one seed lost was, I remember where the Cowboys lost to the Giants in 2007, <laughs> but the Patriots, they went to the Super Bowl. So I know it's not that year. Which year was it? So it's the year after that. It was the Giants. The Giants were the one seed the following year and the Titans were a one seed. So that's one of them. Oh, the, the Chris Johnson year. Yep. Yeah. When that the, one. Um, they lost to the Bengals. I mean, they lost to the, to the Ravens um, out on the road. I remember that. Yep. Terry Collins, 13 and three. <laughs> yes. I, I believe that that they uh, that was the only team that beat them that year, and they swept all three of them, I think. So that was that one. 2011, Patriots and Falcons was another one. And then back in 1979, San Diego and Dallas. Somehow, weirdly, in all three of those times, the Steelers made the Super Bowl. So at least we don't have that going for us this time around. No Steelers in this Super Bowl. I did note the teams that pulled the upset, the teams that beat the one seeds were two and four the next week. So not terrible. Obviously, you know, they're on, they're underdogs. They're going on the road. So they still had a shot. So the, the Niners and the Bengals obviously are those teams this time. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. No stink of the week this week. I made the executive decision. This was an awesome weekend of football. Give the NFL credit applause for the NFL. No stink. You're stink free. No Monday Night Football. We're down to only three games left. We've previewed the conference championship a little bit, but let's just do a quick hot read before we get you out of here. Hot rock! Blue 17! Oh, nice rights! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! 19, seven, 19! Bengals-Chiefs. AFC Championship is our first one Sunday. Chiefs are minus seven, maybe seven and a half. They open at six and a half, and the money's coming in on Kansas City. The total opened at 51 and a half and quickly went up to 53 and a half. The money is pretty clear right now. Everyone believes in the Chiefs just going in and taking care of business in Arrowhead. Sounds like you're leaning toward the Bengals here. Okay, first things first, I like the over. Over 53 and a half. I think this line should be around 55. When you look at the first matchup between these two teams, Joe Burrow's 30 of 39, 446 yards, four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, that first half, they were absolutely dominant. 28 points in the first half. 
and just three in the second half. I can assure you, whatever happens, win or lose, the Chiefs are not scoring three points in the second half of this <laughs> game. So I really think you're going to see a shootout. Both teams, I mean, both teams, just their offenses were just rolling. And I think one of the things that you saw in this game is that the Chiefs had some injuries. Obviously, you lose um, the Honey Badger in this one. They also, Ward actually got banged up. So, I mean, these two teams, they put up 900 yards, 65 points. Both teams had over seven yards per pass. These teams are going to put up some points. But I think this line is getting up there to the point. I think we, we were at six and a half. We're now at seven and a half. I think you got to be looking at Bengals or pass. I, I just think this is too many points. The Bengals, they've proven it. They can, they can score back-to-back with the Chiefs. And the Chiefs haven't really proven it. They can really stop this team. So I'm, I'm leaning Bengals in the over. Yeah, I, I'm leaning the same way. That's the early pick that I turned in here. And I think you're right. The the key number, the the switch from one side of the key number to the other side, I, I was kind of trying to decide, well, this seems like a lot of points. The Bengals just beat them literally this month. It was in January that the Bengals beat them. It was in Cincinnati. And I remember going back to that game. Early in that game, it just felt like these were in different weight classes. The Chiefs just were running them off the field, scoring anytime they wanted, right down the field. And that for me was confirmation bias because I already felt like the Bengals were overrated. And I remember early in that game being like, see, I knew it. The Bengals are frauds. The Chiefs are awesome. Bengals had no shot. I'm like writing in all my notes, piling on the Bengals. And then for the second half, suddenly the Bengals are piling up everything. Chiefs can't score. Jamar Chase was incredible in that game. He had three touchdowns, 266 yards. To me, that's the thing that sticks with me here is that the Chiefs, could not cover these receivers. Chase and T Higgins had man coverage and Joe Burrow looked at his guys and said, you can't cover me. If you're putting man on my guy, I'm just throwing it up and letting my guy win the ball. And Chase and Higgins did it time after time after time in that game. So I agree. Matthew is a huge loss for the chiefs. If he's out concussion protocol and the history he's had, I'm not feeling optimistic that he'll play. So I think the Bengals are going to score. You're right. I think that that probably leans toward the over there. And I think the back door will be open. Either the Bengals score enough to make this a game. They have 11 one score games already this year. And at seven and a half, a one score game does the trick. Or maybe they just find the back door. You know, they're, they're going to keep passing. Joe Burrow, we've seen him put up some huge yardage games. So, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. But I think the Bengals can cover this line. Yeah, I think so, too. And. You know, maybe it might be a good teaser candidate to possibly take the Chiefs down to yeah. like minus one or a pick them. Maybe tease that with our next game. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, oh, man, I might be doing a little Chiefs 49ers teaser here. So uh, somehow I think we're about to be 13, no, 12 games into the playoffs. And I don't know if we've yet actually really disagreed on one of our games, which is pretty crazy. But 49ers at the Rams. NFC championship game. The Rams are three and a half point favorites total at 46 and a half. The Niners money line. We got to point out because we've been playing them the last two weeks, plus 155 on the money line. The Niners have been my team. I've been riding for three weeks in a row. The Niners have gone as underdogs and knocked off the Rams in week 18 Cowboys in the playoffs Packers in the playoffs. Are the Niners going to keep it rolling and get another one here? Yeah, I, I think they keep it rolling here. Look, I mean, a lot's going to be made of this, but 
Kyle Shanahan is an underdog. We, we spoke about it before. He's 25 and 17 against the spread, but he's absolutely dominated Sean McVay in this era. He's seven and three against the spread, and he's actually won six straight. Actually, no, he's seven and three straight up against Sean McVay, and he's won the last six matchups with the last four coming in a row as an underdog. So I think that's pretty huge for this team to know that they can go into Los Angeles and, and be able to beat this team. And Los Angeles doesn't really have a, a strong home foot advantage anyway. So I think you're going to see a lot of people from the Bay Area coming down. But the thing that stands out for me as far as this matchup, when you get rid of the trends, is that the San Francisco 49ers, they've been able to dominate on both sides of the ball in terms of the offensive line. In the first matchup that they won earlier this year, 31-10, they had 156 rushing yards. And the second one, it, it's just the, the entire second half, they ran the ball down their throat, and it's just like they dominated the time of possession. They had a, 135 rushing yards. And early on this season, Debo wasn't a thing. Elijah Mitchell wasn't a thing. And they proved that they can make it a thing. I just think the Rams, they can't run the ball. I think three and a half points is too much. And I think this is closer to a pick. You read off my notes, basically. That's everything that I think about that game. Yeah, the, the home field advantage that's being factored to the line here should not be a factor. Week 18, that was a home game for the Niners. There were loud, loud Niners fans cheering for their comeback as the Rams at home try to play for a division clincher. That's embarrassing. There's going to be Niners fans here. It's not going to be a home field advantage. I think that the metrics paint these teams as relative equals. So if there's not a real home field advantage and relative equals, I agree. It should be around a coin flip at that point. You said Shanahan seven and three in those games, the 49ers have been underdogs eight out of the 10 games. And there's, he's still seven and three in these games. So I kind of teased this before, but sometimes you just have the right coaching matchup and the way that the Shanahan running system goes that McVeigh and his defense just haven't been able to stop that this year in eight quarters. Basically the Niners have dominated for seven of the eight quarters week 18. The Rams had a huge first quarter and then laid an egg the entire rest of the game. The Niners actually almost doubled up the Rams in yardage. They had 449 yards to 265 in that game. And most of the 265 came that first quarter and no Trent Williams in that game. So that that game wasn't as close as it looked. It was 31-10 Niners favor in the previous matchup. Like you said, six wins in a row. I agree with the lines too. The Rams offensive line, I think it struggled a little bit. We've seen Armstead and Bosa, how good they've been. And we saw Stafford got sacked seven times in those two games this year. On the other end, as good as the Rams pressure was today against the Buccaneers, the Niners offensive line is not the Bucs offensive line. Trent Williams is not Donovan Smith. I promise you that much. And Trent Williams ain't going to be in motion this game because he's going to be eliminating Von Miller from the game for most of the time instead. So I, I'm with you. I'm fully in line. The only thing for me is that the injuries do worry me a little bit. I just, I, I want to wait it out and just, I got burned a little by the Bucks this week, being all in, fading the Rams, mm-hmm. and then having to wait out the, the Bucks injuries, having to buy out a little bit. So, I mean, look, Garoppolo's injured, playing through. Kittle got hurt late. Debo got hurt late. Trent Williams is playing through injuries. Bosa was a question mark, played through. Fred Warner was a question mark. That's basically the who's who of all the players that matter on this team. And Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh-huh. So I want to see who's actually playing for this team, but I'm definitely on the Niners. I will be betting the Niners. I'll be playing the Niners money line. 
I've got all the futures, but I don't even think I can hedge out of it because I just think this is the right matchup for San Fran here. And then the one advantage that they have the same advantage that the Bengals have. They have an extra day. They played on Saturday. The Rams played on Sunday. So with their injuries, they have, the, have an extra day to rest. I think it's pretty big. And one thing I will say is that it's so interesting. The 2010 Bears, they actually let the Packers into the playoffs in week 17. And then Green Bay went into Chicago won the NFC title game and actually won the Super Bowl. If you look at another scenario, which is very similar to this, in 2009, the Colts blew a second-half lead because they brought Curtis Painter into the game. I'm pretty sure about this. You know about this. The Colts, they basically gave up their chance of going undefeated that season by bringing Curtis Painter in um, and allowed Rex Ryan and and the Jets to get into the playoffs as a wild card. Jets pulled off two straight upsets and then faced Indianapolis in the AFC championship game Colts end up winning that game and then losing the Super Bowl so those are the two scenarios where you saw that things are very similar to the 49ers that beat the Rams in weeks 18 yeah I I, uh with definitely some history on our side here my pick is up on this one as well I'm definitely on the Niners I got some trends in there that you can check out obviously we'll do more on this game much more depth on our Friday episode but uh, there's a lot of things like about the Niners here it feels like a game where the public is probably going to back the Rams. We saw how good they looked against Tom Brady and the Bucks, And it feels like we're going to overrate how awesome that was early. And that we're going to look at the Niners and be like, what a terrible team. The Packers blew it. The Niners were awful. The Niners defense was really impressive in that game. Jimmy Garoppolo was awful, but Jimmy Garoppolo was playing in snow. Garoppolo is playing injured. He has those games but he doesn't always have them two games in a row. And he's been pretty good against the Rams. And we're not playing one-on-one. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing with the line, with the run game, with good weapons, with the system. And honestly, with a lot of confidence, I think, against this Rams team. He knows he's been the quarterback for for six of those wins. So he knows how to beat this team. As we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, he led the game-winning drive last week. That's something that Aaron Rodgers couldn't do. Aaron Rodgers went three and out. Jimmy Garoppolo drove the ball down the field. And I know Debo got the draw play to pick up nine yards to, to move it from the, the Green Bay 38 to about the 29, 28 or so. But Jimmy Garoppolo still got it done when it matters. And he's, he's done this all season. So he did. And he hit, he hit Kittle up the middle on the, on the seam, a couple of key plays. And guess who else he got it done against? The Rams in week 18 with the season on the line, and he drove them all the way down the field for the win in Los Angeles. So I think the Niners go to L.A., get the win, and then set up shop and stay in L.A. so they can, Rams fans can watch them uh, play the Super Bowl in their home field there too. So we'll we'll talk more about that one on Friday. We'll get back to the Chiefs Bengals. That will wrap it up today at a Marathon Action Network podcast talking about an awesome weekend of football. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Same schedule as always this week. Stucky and Raybon are back Wednesday with their six-pack betting guide. We're back Friday. We'll talk both games. Get you ready for Championship Sunday. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network Podcast. We are on to the Final Four. Final Four.